the junior and high school, junior high and high school stay here. And uh, hey, on that Christmas Eve service, we're going to have everybody in here together. Uh, infants and toddlers and moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, everybody. It's going to be a family together right here having our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be a beautiful thing. I, I love it. It's going to be our first one. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be special. Five to six. So, well, again, to the visitors, if you're here um, for the first time today, my name is John. I'm the pastor here at the Gathering Place Church, and I'm really glad you're here. Today is going to be an awesome day. I'm going to give a brief message, and then we're going to hear from a missionary that we sent to Lebanon to work with the refugees and the Syrian, the Syrian refugees and the Lebanese and, and uh, the refugee camps in Lebanon. Then we're going to hear testimonies from those who have given their life to Christ. And then we're going to head across the campus here, all of us together, and we're going to celebrate uh, their baptism. So it's just a day of fruit, 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 fruit. But I want to begin today with a message that I had uh, planned on preaching um, as we headed up to the presidential election. Last week I taught on the sovereignty of God. That no matter who became president, God puts him in place. If you don't believe that, you don't believe in the sovereignty of God and all the universes just fall apart. I haven't liked, personally, everybody who has become president in my lifetime. And I have liked others. And it gets very confusing unless you look at it through the lens of the sovereignty of God. We, we pray, we vote, we trust, right? We pray, we vote, we trust. So now we're in the trusting part. So today, I plan to teach a message called Lift Your Eyes. And as I said, some of you may have heard at the beginning of the service, I planned this a few weeks ago, Lift Your Eyes. And I walked into the pre-service prayer this morning, and I walked into the intercessors were saying, God, lift our eyes today. I said, Are you serious? Really? So, that, so I tell you that, so all of us are very clear that God wants us to lift our eyes. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's go to John chapter 4. And I want to read in verse 34 and 35. And, uh, and then I'm going to put this in context. John chapter 4. Um, you know what? Before we read this, I, I'm going to have to set this up. So, Rob, don't, don't put that up there yet. So the Samaritans were a people group that at that time the Jews loathed. The racial divide, I did not even know what was going to happen after the elections was going to happen. So this message is even more poignant than I thought it was going to be. The racial divide between the Jews and the Samaritans were beyond what we're seeing in our own country. The Jews believed that Samaria was a polluted land with a polluted people with a polluted religion. Because when another nation takes over a nation, they intermarry so that you, you uh, destroy the people's culture. And then a lot of the Babylonian beliefs and gods that they worship were intermingled with some of the Jews. And so it was a polluted religion. And so that's what Samaria was. And then you have Jerusalem who kept their religion pure. And so they didn't even walk. They wouldn't even talk to a Samaritan. They wouldn't even, I mean, it was a straight shot from Judea to Jerusalem, if you went through Samaria. But they never would do it. They'd always go around the hood, right? 
So now here comes Jesus, the Son of God. And he's with his the new disciples. And he says to them, uh, I, I need to go through Samaria. Like, what? He goes through Samaria. And then the disciples say, we're going to go get something to eat. And so Jesus goes to a well, and there's a woman there. So now here's a Jew in Samaria, and now here's a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan, not just a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman, and they're alone. Ooh. All sorts of badness happening here. So the disciples come back, and they see him talking to this woman, and they were freaking out. I mean, this is really bad press. This is going to be on every newspaper's headlines. I mean, all sorts of things are going to be said about Jesus. So they come back and they say to him in verse uh, 31, let's go there, Rob, John 4, 31, because I wanted to set this up because it's very, very relevant to where we are. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you don't know of. And this is very uh, poignant for us, that God has food right now that we may not be aware of. Our food is political battles. Our food is, is, is rioting and ranting and crying and gloating and grieving. And we're so caught up in the earth right now that I think we're missing the food of God. I have food that you don't know about. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, thinking in the natural, thinking in the temporal, has anyone brought any, anything to eat? What a beautiful answer Jesus gives. Jesus said to them, my food, everybody say my food, because if you're a follower of Christ, We need to be eating what Jesus is eating, right? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, now speaking to the disciples, don't you guys even say there's four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, everybody say it out loud. Is it up there, verse 35? John 4, 35. It's on the front of the bulletin. Okay, John 4, 35. Let's do this again. Therefore, okay, I'll set it up. Therefore, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you. <laughs> Woo, that was close to an epic fail, but we, sal- we salvaged it. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Will you say this out loud? Say, Lord, help me lift up my eyes today. Say that. Lift up my eyes. I mean, we really need this. Our whole nation needs to lift up our eyes. Lift up our eyes, Lord, and look at the fields, not Facebook. The fields, for they are already white for harvest. Jesus went beyond the borders of his comfortability, his country, and his culture to reach one person of another religion, of another race, A polluted religion and a polluted race. His response to his disciples was that the the will of God was what he was called to do, which was reach every soul alive with the good news. So if that's his calling, that's our calling. And let me say this, in this hour of this political unrest we have in our nation, you know that with all of Jesus' teachings, God in, in human form, in the earth, with all that he taught, all the parables, all of the teachings he did, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, do you know that he only said a couple things about politics? One was pay your taxes. 
Secondly was, let's go to it in Luke chapter 13. I want you to see this. In Luke chapter 13. Everybody say, lift your eyes. Say it again. Lift your eyes. Luke 13 and verse 31. There it is. On that very day, some of the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Get out and depart from here, for the king, Herod, the political leader, wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox. That's the only other political statement he made. Oh, Jesus is calling the president names. Go tell that fox. Jesus understands the political power world. Go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures. Isn't that beautiful? Go tell the political leader who wants to kill me. I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I'll be perfected or resurrected. Why was Jesus not caught up in politics? Why didn't he try to defend himself to the king? Because he was about something much, much more important. People in places of power are important because they facilitate the will or not the will of God into the earth. But Jesus' eyes were beyond the natural, beyond the temporal. As we learned last week, God raises one up, God pulls one down. But in the meantime, there are souls at stake. Every color, every race, every political party is people. And Jesus cares about every single one. Okay, a couple more thoughts, and then I'm going to bring shells up here, and we're going to get our eyes lifted onto the most important things. So what happens when... This king, Herod, finally has Jesus in his grasp. He has the church in his grasp. And he's going to crucify him. Remember the guy that Jesus called a fox? You sly dog, right? He's got him. John 18, verse 33. Then Pilate entered the castle or the the praetorium or the White House again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Are you going to read in Facebook? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered. Didn't even tell him what he did. Didn't even answer his question. How did he respond? Everybody, let's read this out loud. Come on. My kingdom is not of this world. Okay, let's, let's start over. Let's say it again. My kingdom is not of this world. Let's keep reading. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So this is the last thought I want to give. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, but it invades this world. Jesus said to you and I, 
as he was praying to the Father about us. Jesus prayed a prayer that included us who are here right now today in this church. He said, Father, they are in the world, but they are not of the world. Protect them from the evil in the world. You say, well, why is that so relevant? And this is, this is where I'm, I'm going to put it to, to all of us, okay? So, so stay awake for the next two minutes because this is going to hurt. Jesus' kingdom invades the earth. His goodness, his righteousness, his purity, his hope, his forgiveness, his kindness, his love. Jesus invades this earth through you and me. And he calls us the salt and the light of the world. Salt preserves food from decaying. Metaphorically, you and I, as followers of Christ, by the way we talk, the way we treat people, the way we behave, our lifestyles, preserve the earth from moral decay. Then Jesus calls you and I light. Light in the darkness. What does that mean? Well, he says it very clearly in the book of Matthew. He says, let your good works be so evident that people will see your good works and they will glorify God in heaven. In other words, the way you speak to people, the way that you talk, the way that you act, the way you behave, the way you emote to others should be so Christ-like that people go, wow, and they see, that's what glory means, to shine light on. They see that there is a God, a good God, because they see him in you. So, let me ask you a very poignant question. Since Tuesday's results... If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, can you honestly say to your soul, I have been the salt and the light of this world since Tuesday? Am I helping preserve peace? Am I a peacemaker? Mark our, one of our other pastors on staff here is going to preach next weekend on peacemakers. Because our nation needs it right now. But the church needs to lead the way. This is our finest hour. We are supposed to be different. We are supposed to love our enemies. Do good to those who hate us and mistreat us and misuse us. So that we will be like our fathers in heaven, Jesus says. We are sons and daughters of God in the earth. So you have to ask yourself, when I'm on Facebook, am I preserving moral decay? Or am I just using my sword and clashing swords, which produces more hate and anger and violence and division? What are you doing? Are you the light of the world where people are so impressed? Look, whether you're gloating or grieving, whether you're a person won or lost, 
How are you behaving in Jesus' name? Because if Christians don't behave like Christ, the world has no hope. So, if you haven't, today's the day to change. Right now, in this moment, that's my message. I'm done. So, this is application time. Then we're going to bring up shelves, and we're going to lift our eyes onto people who really need Christ. And we're going to hear some wonderful things about how she made such a big difference for him in Lebanon. And we're going to hear people's testimonies of how they got saved and Jesus transformed their life. Because that's what we're all about here. Our, our whole mission here is changing our world one life at a time. And it might be a life that is across the political divide from you, like the Samaritan woman was across the political divide from the Jews. And Jesus stepped across racial lines, cultural lines, religious lines, because he saw a woman who needed God. His disciples never would have done that. But Jesus was saying, I'm trying to teach you guys how to love everybody. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Woo, go ahead. Yeah, that was pretty good. Go ahead. You can clap. Yeah. Yeah, because you weren't clapping for me because I didn't say that. He did. So, yeah, I'm a donkey. Hee-haw. Right? So if I say something good, it's him. And we can all celebrate him. So I want to... Get serious for a moment. If you have not been the salt and light of the world, you have not been a preserver and one who is being like Christ in the midst of the situation, let's just change that right now. Let's just change it right now. We're going to ask God to forgive us. We're going to draw a line in the sand and say, I will not be provoked. Love is not easily provoked. I'm going to operate in the opposite spirit, and I'm going to be kind, respectful, and honoring in his name. Okay, you guys ready for that? All right, so let's pray. So if you have been caught, then that's a good thing. And right now, right where you are in your own seat, just confess it to the Lord. Right off your lips, between you and him, say, Lord, I have, behaved, I have not been behaving like you. I have not been behaving like Christ. Just right now where you are, this is between you and him right now. I have not, have I, the things I've been typing, you wouldn't have typed them. Things I've been saying, you wouldn't be saying them. So I'm asking you to forgive me and cleanse me right now. For being, for being part of the problem. And I determine right now, Lord, from this day forward, I want to let you use me to be a healer. To help heal our nation, one person at a time. May I make you proud, Jesus, by the way I behave the way I treat others. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Okay, so now that that's over, let's move on to what's more important, which is the kingdom of God. Uh, about a year ago, this uh, young 20-something, is that fair? I'll say a young lady, young single lady. I'm not sure how old you are, Shells. No? Huh? Forties? Are you in your forties? You just look so young for, huh? You're thirty. Thirty-two. Shells Lesher is thirty-two years old. 
She came up to me about a year right here after service. She said, I feel like God wants me to go live in the uh, refugee uh, um, camps in Lebanon to, to minister to Syrian refugees. And I thought, cuckoo. Sorry. I'm looking at this precious young single girl that she thinks we're going to send her to a refugee camp in Lebanon. <laughs> you kidding me? And so I thought, okay, I'll just pray with her and just let her know she's loved and all that. And it's like, hope she never brings that up again. <laughs> then, I, then, I called, then I called our worship pastor, Stephanie, and I said, you're not going to believe uh, what Shells wants to do. I know she's passionate. And Stephanie said, I think it's God. I went, Seriously? She goes, I've been talking to Shells for the last few months, and I really believe the Lord is in this. And she persuaded me because, you know, that's I feel responsible sending us, sending a young single girl into that environment. And I was persuaded. And so we sent Shells Lesher to Lebanon, and she's in the house. Come on. So this morning, we're going to lift our eyes and let Shells Lesher give us a report. How many months were you in Lebanon? Oh, you! Oh, you got your own. You're equipped. Is it working? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I was there for ten months. Wow. Yeah. I was praying for you. Thank you. Thank you. I know a lot of people were. Thank you so much. That's actually the biggest thing that I want to say today. Pardon me. Is thank you because um, I I really couldn't have done it without anybody. Um, without all of you guys. Um, it, it really is a miracle. I got an email from a random person that I didn't know that was connected to YWAM, because as some of you know, I went to uh, Costa Rica and worked with uh, kids that were at risk for being trafficked um, in Central America and did some training through YWAM. And one of my teachers remembered me. And um, when she got the email about the need for a teacher in Lebanon, I was the first person she thought of. (laughs) And she sent it to me, and without going into the story, the timing was perfect. And, um, but they needed me in like two weeks. And I was like, oh, I don't even think my teacher or my uh, my church is going to say yes. And so I talked to them, and they said yes. And within one month, I was in Lebanon. Wow. And that is incredible. That is incredible because I was almost like 100% funded from you guys. There might have been like 1% in there, maybe from some friends and family. And we're a small church, and and you guys did a big thing. And um, what's incredible about that is that there are people that want to do things like this, and it takes them a year or two to be funded, a year or two. And you guys did it in a month, and that is incredible. So I, first and foremost, just want to say thank you. And then I really want to share what I was doing. Um, I was, where are we? Um, Do we have the, yeah? Okay, awesome. So thank you was the first uh, slide, and that was like, thank you for your support. (laughs) um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and the second slide is, um, I was in Lebanon. You can see it right there, that little blue, um, country. And it's almost surrounded by Syria. So we, we had lots and lots 
and lots of Syrians, uh, millions in fact, and uh, so much that I wasn't even really in an official, at an official uh, camp. Oh, I forgot to start this. Can I start my time now? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so um, I was actually working with Syrians that um, lived in banana fields. And there were usually no structures there, um, maybe some cement block structures. If they were really lucky and their dad had some skills, he'd get some running water and some electricity in there. And then there were a few uh, um, of the kids that their parents still had some money um, and they were able to rent a really tiny apartment, which was more like a room for many, many children and parents to live all together in one room. So um, that's where I was. I, I was working at the King's Kids uh, School with YWAM uh, for these Syrian refugee kids. And what I was doing was teaching English and math, which is a miracle because I'm a horrible speller and, <laughs> and I, can, I can do statistics, but I can't do addition and subtraction, and that's what I was teaching. But God was good. <laughs> Um, and uh, I was teaching to kids that had little to no education whatsoever. Um, but the best part was that it wasn't just about education. We obviously brought God into everything, as you can tell by the name of the school, King's Kids. And um, be here. Try not to go ahead into other things I'm going to talk about later. I'm kind of new to this, so I'm a little nervous. Pardon me. <laughs> Um, okay. Ah, love you guys too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it wasn't just about teaching in the classroom. It was about being that light and that salt to the world and building a relationship. And that's not only built in the classroom, that's built um, with families. And so on slide three, you can see that um, I was kind of goofy and crazy, not only in the classroom, but also um, in, in homes. Uh, um, let's see. Oh, sorry. You'll, we'll get there. All right. Can point. we, are we, can it get, all right. It's okay. It's all right. So um, in the classroom, uh, I was really blessed to have had a trauma training uh, working with kids who had severe trauma issues. And so um, if if we do get to see the pictures up there, um, you'll see a moment where we would just have random moments of joy. Like one time there was a huge rainbow in the sky and one of the kids, uh, and it was during one of the chapels, which I'll talk about what we uh, later. And, and so we just had a rainbow party and talked about God's promises for about five minutes and uh, and I happened to have balloons, and we were like, Yay! and then we had calm again. But <laughs> getting that calm was really crazy and hard because a lot of times <clears throat> these kids had never, ever been in a classroom before because they've been coming from a country where they've been in severe, horrific war for five years. And, um, and so it was teaching them basic skills like, how to sit in a chair for a while and how to raise your hand and wait and not say, miss, 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 25,000 times until, like, all of them all at once. 
<laughs> so it was a crazy couple of first months, but we got to the place where they could actually take a test, which, you know, it doesn't seem like big. You sit down, you focus, you don't cheat, and when you're done, you flip over your paper and you raise your hand and it's taken away. But that is a huge process and a foreign concept and took a lot of work to just get them to where that they will be successful in schools um, in the future. And they don't have a lot of opportunities to go to school because um, Lebanon is a tiny country and they had a lot of Palestinian refugees come in and now they have millions of Syrians and they're just like, ah, oh, we can barely take care of our Lebanese children. So getting them to, they have to be like really good in order to get into just elementary school. Um, and so I was happy that I was able not only to be in the classroom, but when I wasn't creating the curriculum for that, um, I was able to go into the homes and make an impact there. And because there was these two uh, parts, both being in the classroom and being in the homes, I was able to impact the kids spiritually, educationally, help with healing from the trauma that they went through, and also help affect um, their, their families and restoring their family dynamics. And that was amazing. Um, let's see here. So um, on slide four, you'll see that, um, oh, actually, that's what I was talking about a lot here, was that um, it was the first time they went to school. They had very little opportunities and th their basic skills. Um, it was just to be able to function in the classroom. See, I did go ahead. And then this is slide five. And, um, and I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Jamile right there. She, I, I believe she's 12. And she was in um, my, okay, I had two classes. One was grade one, which, uh, 1A, which most of them had had some uh, school experience because they were in our school before. And then I had 1B, which I had kids from 7 to about 12. And they, it was just crazy. And, um, and she could not even hold a pencil. Didn't even know how to hold a pencil. Neither could her, her younger brother, two brothers that were there. And um, without going into that amazing story, um, by the end, they were not only the top of 1A or 1B, but they were going to be going into second grade, all three of them. They not only could hold pencils, but they could write all of the uh, Arabic and English alphabet. They could sound out and um, read some English words, and they were reading uh, in Arabic and, and just excelling. And, and so now they have a future, and that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, God is amazing. He does amazing things when we're faithful, when we step out and we come together. Again, me going, oh, I want to go to Lebanon, and okay, doesn't do much. <laughs> I need all of you guys. So um, the on slide six, I'll be talking about the healing and forgiveness. I love you. Yeah, okay. I love you a lot, Hannah. <laughs> so that was Hannah. Um, <clears throat> and I love you. I love you a lot, Hannah. She's cute, cute. 
last day of school, and she wasn't even in my classroom. And she was just crying because of what a profound impact being around somebody who was truly filled with the Holy Spirit and sharing it and shining it openly. And um, yeah, it was just amazing how I really saw that I wasn't only impacting the 40 kids that I was with day in and day out but the other kids that were on the playground. And we had over 100 children. And it was just amazing. Um, so with the healing and forgiveness is that um, was not only in the classroom because I refused. I told them, you know, I'm here to teach English and math, but if we can't be kind and respect one another, then there's, there's no point. I'm not, that's like the basics. Because I believe that that's what Jesus brings into our life is, and that's where we can have relationships that spring out of trust. And so I would tell them, you know, I'm really not that concerned about your education. I, I think it would help you a lot, but I'm more concerned about your heart. And so we spent a lot of time focusing on, um, especially in my class, on, on developing kindness and respect, forgiveness. Um, and then... Also, the school, we had trauma classes that would specifically help them process their trauma so that they can, can grow and they can grow beyond it and be functional. And having this dynamic of both having a curriculum that was based on it and living it out in the classroom was so impacting that some of the older boys um, were, were so affected that at the beginning, we were actually in a place where um, oh dear, um, where uh, it was a Lebanese school, and, and then the Syrians would come in, and there was actually a civil war where the, a lot of people died, and there's lots of reasons for them to, to not like each other, and at the beginning, we would have lots of fights and lots of issues, and uh, there'd be harassment, and then our kids would retaliate, and it would be horrible. But towards the end, because of what we were living out, they were ignoring being taunted, and they were moving towards forgiving, which is the root of the cause of the problems that are happening in the Middle East. And that is huge. And, um, and out of this, we were able to really build love and trust. Um, and, and, and then also we were able to impact the family, like I said, we would go into their homes, we would share meals and stories, and we would pray with each other. They knew that I was a follower of Jesus, and, it, and they knew that we were teaching about Jesus in the classrooms. And so we were able to share life together. And I had uh, opportunities to, um, to help out with family feuds that were happening. And, and even when the parents were saying, no, you can't forgive them, because that's what they're taught, I was saying you have to respect your parents. You do. And you can obey them, but in your heart you can forgive them. You know, and just little things like that to shift a new generation of children coming out of such lives is, was huge. And then even being able to impact the parents, going to the beach with the parents and letting them see how 
there's a different way rather than shaming and threatening your children. You can talk with them. You can process it. You can put boundaries and, and, and see that a day can completely be transformed. And, and that happened multiple times with being able to live and embrace um, the, the Syrian um, families that I was able to work with. Um, and on slide eight, um, that was the family. Well, let's go to the family. Real, yeah, this here is really cool. That, um, okay, yeah, we're on slide eight, spiritual impact. Um, um, so here, it was so amazing. Our, um, we were able to spend 30 minutes a day talking about the Bible and not just the Old Testament, talking about Jesus and developing relationships with Jesus in the hearts of the children. And these are the kids that felt that they really had a relationship with Jesus because of the school year, towards the end of the school year, that came up to honestly ask Jesus into their heart. Not, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. All of them are Syrian. Actually, I have two Iraqi uh, kids in there. But um, the rest are Syrian, and um, they're all from Muslim background. And, um, and so um, they, they were able to hear everything about Jesus, and um, they, they actually took communion. I mean, we went so deep. We were even he, uh, praying for healing. Like, kids would go up and, and talk about, um, you know, somebody got hurt or somebody was sick, and they would just come up and lay on hands and pray. And it was hugely impactful. And what's amazing is that I come home and there's so many Syrians here in San Diego. And we can make an impact by being the light of Jesus. We can make an impact in the Middle East because a lot of them, when this all, you know, comes to an end, I don't know when that will be, most likely they want to go home. And so we can impact the Middle East by being Jesus to them here and now, and one thing that I am doing that um, that if you are interested, um, let's see, let's let's go to yes, actually I know that family right there, but let's go to the next slide um, uh, here and see my email right there. If you have questions, if you want to know how to pray, how to give, how to participate and express your love to the Syrians, please just send me an email. Jot that down and. Um, it's faith expressed through love. I think it's Galatians 5. Um, and because that's what I feel God told me to do. And so um, here with the Hope Project, it's a, a trauma club. Of course, we don't call it that. But it's to help the kids process their trauma. And we need simple, basic things like bringing snacks. Uh, once a month, we do a family picnic. So we could have, like, the church maybe, like, Five, ten volunteers come and, and bring food and interact with the families. Um, we're, we are doing a Christmas celebration in September, and we always need uh, funds to help continue do what we're doing. But you can always email me, and there's other opportunities, like um, uh, adopting a family through a refugee agency where you're willing to spend two hours um, a week with a family and help them figure out grocery shopping and applying for a job and just really simple things that are completely foreign to them and doing tutoring and stuff like that. So, um, again, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate everything that you guys did 
through this crazy girl. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. You are such an inspiration and an amazing example to all of us. And here's what I want to say about Shells. She is so light and winsome and sweet that this is her personality and kindness in that environment. She is communicating on such a uh, shallow level of what she actually experienced. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that. But when she talks about trauma... She's talking about these kids who have seen their parents tortured and murdered and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and ran out like your homes, ran out of your homes, never to be back in San Diego again. And you're living out in some God-forsaken place. Well, he doesn't forsake anybody. Um, a horrible place where they have seen atrocities with their own family members that they can't. How do you recover from that? And uh, so then here comes an angel. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. Amen. Amen. Let's thank Shells one more time for her ministry. Wow. Wow. So we're touching the world in the Middle East, and we're touching the world right here in San Diego, and even right here at the Gathering Place Church. There's nothing more important on this side of heaven than people getting saved so that they're eternal destiny is in heaven with jesus and all this is over and there we are that is the greatest fruit you will ever bear is leading somebody to christ and stephanie demink uh is going to be teaching a short class on how to share your faith with others so you know how to lead people to christ and so that's coming up real soon but for right now we're going to celebrate those who have given their life to christ are going to get water baptized today so i'm going to ask those that are going to get water baptized today will you come on down here come on Come on, come on, come on. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, Christina, Brittany. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Okay. And Jake, bringing up the caboose. Jake is just so cool. Okay, Um, I want to... Okay, so, all right, so, we'll start with Keith. So, what I want to do is have you guys, and this would be good for you as a church, to know how to share your faith um, with a coworker or with a family member or a friend or a neighbor. I call it B-C-C-A-C. Everybody say B-C-C-A-C. BC's before Christ. What was your life like before Christ? Mine, I was empty. I had a girlfriend. I was going to college. I had a great job. I had a bunch of friends, but I had a hole in my soul I couldn't fill. Nothing would touch it. I gave my life to Christ. And then after that, the emptiness left, and I've never been empty since. And that was over 30 years ago. So that's my testimony. So that's very short and quick. So we're going to do the BCCAC, okay? So, Keith, you want to go first? Let's welcome Keith. Thank you. Thank you. So before Christ, um, I was uh, a pretty devout Catholic, went to Catholic school, um, was raised as a Catholic, Catholic altar boy, Catholic lay leader. And, um, you know, I was pretty accustomed to having uh, my relationship 
with the Lord come by way of the preacher and the priest telling me what to say back to him as he would preach to me. And, um, you know, the, the older I got, the less tolerant I became because um, I wanted to have my own relationship with the Lord. And uh, so I became very disenfranchised with the church, and I kind of went away from it. And I felt this huge hole in my heart, a huge void in my heart. And so I went out to seek, how do I find a relationship with the Lord? And let's, and, you know, by God's grace, he started to surround me with people that did have a relationship with the Lord, direct relationship with the Lord. And I would hear about that. And I yearned for it. I wanted it. And I started to follow them into church to see how do I get that relationship with the Lord. And so uh, I stand before you today because I've been blessed to have a, this friendship uh, with a near dear friend and now a business partner. Uh, the man that's brought me a lot closer to, and brought me here, that's Anthony Nanula. So, Anthony! Uh, you know, I've committed my life, I've committed my life uh, in the presence of the Lord. Today I'll be baptized yet again. When I was baptized the first time, I didn't have a choice. Today I come here and I have a choice, and I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for <laughs> celebrating that. <laughs> yeah. I just had lunch with these guys this week, and these guys are moving and shaking in the business sector in a major way, and they are going to be witnessing to men and women at the highest levels. And, uh, man, we like to invade every sector of society with the salt and light. Are you ready? I am. All right. Name and testimony. My name is Brittany, and I wrote it down because I ramble a little bit. So I've got mine. Um, so before Christ, I grew up in a household where my parents were spiritually divided. And so they raised me and my brother without ever speaking of God or religion. Sometimes I'd go to church with friends or on youth group trips, and that really sparked my desire to know more. So accepting Christ. By the time I was an adult, I believed in God and that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again. It was never really more than my own belief until I Skyped my boyfriend while he was deployed and he directly asked me. At the time, I was pretty embarrassed because even though I did, I had such a limited understanding of the Bible and Scripture. We talked for a long time about it, and what really resonated was that you'll never be able to recite all the scripture or be the perfect Christian, and what matters most is your relationship with God. Mm. And since then, I've felt much more empowered by my faith and met many remarkable people that have not only accepted me with my lack of knowledge, but pointed me in the right direction to learn more. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, that's great. Amen. You're so cute. After the last Sunday sermon uh, service, she came running down here just saying, I'm going to get water baptized. <laughs> I'd love it. All right. Christina, okay. you ready? All right. Yeah. Uh, my name is Christina, and if I cry, it's just been an emotional year, but a happy one now. Uh, Mark cries, so don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> Before, before Christ, I was very dismissive of people and only of those who would lie or betray me or hurt me in any way. And that almost brought me towards divorce this year. In doing that with my husband, it almost uh, made me break up my family. But God was good, and he introduced me to Ariane. I thought it was sheer coincidence, and now I know it, it wasn't so. I needed him. I needed her. I needed all of you guys. Um, it's been a very, very, very difficult year, the worst year of my life, actually. But in it being the worst year, it's actually been the happiest because now 
I have forgiven my husband. I am going to be patient with him. I have been practicing acceptance with someone who has hurt me very badly. And I've got to say now, even though I'm crying, thank you, I'm okay with it. I'm at peace with it. I'm, I'm joyous because I know good things are here to come. And anything that you stick through will be well worth it. And being with him is worth it. And, you know, saving my family is worth it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think all in all, I'm just, I'm learning what unconditional love truly is. And I'm happy for it. What I love is how Anthony gets a new business partner and says, let's go to church. And then you come to church. And I remember greeting you back in the back row. You're like, okay. I said, hi. And then at the altar call, a salvation call, you went, boop. That was awesome. And then Christine or um, uh, Ariane accosts a stranger in a grocery store. And that's where they met. She's got, you need to come to church with me. And look at this. I just I love it. I need it to. Yeah. Here. All right. There we go. Uh, I'm Monique. This is my husband, Frank. Um, we uh, kind of both have the same background. We both were raised in the church. We were both baptized when we were babies. And, um, you know, when we both had a lot of anger, guilt, and depression before we came to Christ, um, Frankie was at the gym one day and met Mark, and, uh, you know, we had gone to many, you know, some churches before this in, while we were in California, and we just hadn't felt like it was our church home, and uh, Mark invited Frankie to church, and we came, and uh, first time we heard John speak, we were both sold. We loved it. I knew it was our place, <laughs> and, you know, I have to say, uh, he has his way with words, so... Um, you know, we came to church, and uh, after about three months, we both gave our life to God and, you know, accepted Jesus as our personal Savior. And uh, this last year, again, um, and this last year has just been awesome. You know, um, no more guilt, no more depression. Our relationship is just amazing, and our children are becoming more amazing because of that. And just very happy about today. So, <laughs> God is good. All the time. Jake. My name's Jake. Um, before Christ, I was, uh, I, I felt like I was really lost. Uh, I had no direction. Um, I, I had my wife for, for the past 14 years. She's been uh, bringing me along with her, uh, showing me direction. And I've always been kind of stubborn, but I, I've, I finally, finally have, have seen seen a, a good direction in my life, found a right path. Um, I saw, like, your heel marks from the parking lot all the way up the sidewalk. Like, every Sunday, I'd see these skid marks, these heel marks, like, oh, those are Jake's. <laughs> yeah, it took, took me quite, quite a while. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I finally um, have uh, um, I've seen the the real, real life, my, my path in life is, is, is coming, coming around. So. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I, I still have a lot to learn, I feel, you know, but um, slowly I'm, I'm uh, awesome. learning and opening up to more. It's, yeah. it's opened me up a, a lot, so. I always say if you have a praying mama or a praying wife, you might as well just give up because this is going to be... 
miserable until you finally say yes to Christ. I'm so proud of you. So proud of all you guys. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so you guys got your change of clothes, right? You got your towel, you got your snorkel. Everybody ready? Okay. All right, so um, today is not a day of preaching. It's a day of doing. It's a day of fruit. And may this be a sign of things to come. So I want to ask this. They have been, they're being baptized not only into Christ, but into the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask if everybody could go right across the, the, the way here. The, the, the pool is just uh, that way. Um, and if we could just all go over that way. And uh, do you have people that are uh, planning on taking photos? Do we, you know, okay, so make sure we get pictures and make sure I get sent the pictures. And Lily, are you going to be my photographer? That'd be great. Um, and uh, Adrena, are you in the house? Adrena's not here. Okay. Because she's on the website right now. She was the last one that got baptized, so she might get bumped off the homepage. And uh, one of you beautiful people might end up on the homepage, if that's okay. So um, let's pray, and then let's head on over. And if everybody could wait for the setup, I mean, the breakdown and all that, and let's go do first things first. Let's celebrate the most important things in the kingdom of God. And then we'll come back and we'll, uh, you know, do other things. So, Jesus, you said for us to lift our eyes, and that's what we're doing today. We're getting our eyes off of politics and back onto the kingdom of God. And these people are the fruit. They're going to be with you forever. They're going to be with us forever. And I want to ask this. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, let's do this for a moment. Let's give anybody here an opportunity who has not yet come to Jesus. If you've never given your life to Christ, you cannot earn your way to heaven. It's a free gift, what Jesus did on the cross. But you have to accept it. And so maybe today you've heard this message, you've heard these testimonies, and now it's your turn. You feel it in your heart that you've never given your life to Jesus, and you need to do that for the forgiveness of your sins. If that's you, will you raise your hand right where you are, and I'm going to pray for you. And Jesus is going to come into your heart. He's going to forgive you of your sins. You're going to experience his peace that Josh was talking about earlier. Is there anybody here today that needs to give Jesus, uh, give your life to Jesus? Just raise your hand right where you are. All right, well, I don't see anybody raising their hand, but um, on the way over to the pool, you can grab my elbow and say, I wanted to do it, but I was afraid. And I'll pray with you right there and then. Amen? Amen. So let's just all go straight over to the pool. All right, let's do this. Oh, and I'm sorry, one more. 